What's up, everyone? Tara Roberts here, and welcome into the Dear Miss Fantasy Show for Week 17. We're the official mailbag show for Player Profiler. It is Week 17. It is officially Championship Week. And for some of you, even if it's not Championship Week, you're still out there battling for bragging rights, and there's still second and third place money in this sometimes. So come on, everybody is trying to finish out strong, do their best. And we're still in it because we play fantasy football. We're obsessed with this. We're not abandoning our teams. We're not like that, right? So come on. It is week 17. I'm very excited. But regardless, I do hope that you all made your championship games. And we're going to talk about, um, I thought we'd do something different for the show. We usually do like hot topics and stuff, but considering that it's championship week and we have a lot of interesting matchups this week, I thought that we would talk about key players or teams that are in bad situations in championship week and whether or not we can trust them. These are guys, these are not the randoms. These are guys that we have either been rolling with They're you know, strong starters or have been strong starters or streaming options or guys that we've late in the season have now come to rely on. And we got to know, is this like, what are we doing in championship week? Are we riding with the guys that got us here? Are we pivoting? Are we panicking? What is the deal? Cause there are some bad situations here. So we're going to dive right into it. Cause there's a lot to cover. And of course, um, as we're going through all the topics, I've got mailbag questions kind of mixed in there, and then we'll finish off as well with some additional mailbag questions, mainly start sick kind of stuff, um, and some potential 2024 topic conversation. Got a nice little question in there. So um, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right in. We're going to start things off with Joe Flacco and Amari Cooper versus the Jets. Can we trust either one of them. Oh, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco in his return. Good for him. Right? You're loving it. He's like, he's new version of Flacco. And I know sometimes people are saying, no, he used to be like, like, no, I'm talking like this high volume, aggressive kind of gunslinger. Like, it's not... I don't want to say game manager even type, but there's just the kind of like a, almost a reckless abandon that we're seeing in Joe Flacco. And I low key kind of love it, but he has been unstoppable. So I'm kind of dubbing this one, this Joe Flacco versus the Jets when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object because the Jets defense has been stacked in terms of being able to stand up to opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers. So let's talk about stats for the Jets real quick. Um, points allowed to quarterbacks by the Jets. Um, we'll go in reverse. We're going to go, I don't know, like eight weeks deep here. Washington, obviously, that's hard to judge. Um, Jacoby Brissett had uh, nine fantasy points. Sam Howell had negative eight. Jesus Christ, Sam Howell. <laughs> I want the best for him. I really, truly do. I really was optimistic and hopeful that he would come out and rebound. And that was just dreadful. Um, benched for the second week in a row. I don't know how you recover from that. Um, so we're, we're not really, you can't really count that too much in terms of how the Jets performed against them because it is what it is. Um, prior to that, Tua Tagovailoa, 13 fantasy points. CJ Stroud, 3.6. And if you're wondering, that is a game that he got injured in. Um, he did play 86% of snaps. So 3.6, 
86% of snaps. Yeah, it was a bad day. Prior to that, Desmond Ritter, 8.8 fantasy points. Tua again, 7.8 fantasy points. Josh Allen, the one bright spot here, 22.5 fantasy points. You go, Josh Allen. Aiden O'Connell, 8.4. And Justin Herbert, 7.1. Miss you, Justin Herbert. Not a single quarterback has thrown for over 300 yards on the season against the Jets. That is insane. Just statistically, it's bound to happen. It has not happened to the New York Jets defense. And when we're looking at Joe Flacco, the only time that Flacco threw less than 300 yards was his first start of the year. And that was 254 in his first start straight up off the street. I like to say off the street, but it was more so off his couch. Um, it's just more fun to say off the street. So, yeah, Joe Flacco. And, yeah, he's had some layup starts. But there is one key reference point that we can talk about. He had 374 yards against Chicago, a passing defense that I've talked about before um, when we were kind of doing that um, stint where we were talking about defensive trends. And I had mentioned the Chicago defense and the transformation that they have had since the addition um, of Montez Sweat. You cannot underestimate the level of impact. I understand one person, right? But the level of impact that that trade, you can trace it statistically it made such a significant impact on their pass rush and everything else just kind of fell into place. So when we're talking about that Chicago defense, they have been really on par in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks since that trade, really on par with the Jets. Not very different. And when we're looking at their defense as a whole, their run defense is um, pretty strong too. That's one thing the Jets don't have. Chicago's defense has been incredibly stout. Oh, but here's where we dive into the non-statistic stuff. It's a revenge game. And players have said that revenge games do legitimately factor into their performances. They genuinely try to play up. And this is a special revenge game because the Jets, and for reasons I simply can't understand, didn't call on Joe Flacco to return. So they parted ways after the season, completely understandable. They moved on to Aaron Rodgers, completely understandable. And then Aaron Rodgers gets injured and they give Zach Wilson a try, completely understandable. But then as it's starting to not work, they're not making those moves that you would think that they would make. And we've talked about this before and the level of we won't dive into it. Cause I would go on an aggressive rant, the level of irresponsibility that did, that the jets had in not finding a solution before it was too late sitting there stuck with Tim Boyle because of poor choices. Let me stop before I digress into a rant. Um, but just going back to that with Joe Flacco, we all said it. Why are they not calling on Joe Flacco? People even said, why are they not calling up Miami for a trade for Mike White? Why are you not calling on Joe Flacco? He knows your system. He was just there. We know that he can supply. He like he was pushing volume then and things were all right. Why would you not call him up and give him give him a go? They didn't. They didn't sign him. They didn't bring him in. They didn't give it a try. And he ends up in Cleveland and everything's going wonderful for him in Cleveland. But you got to imagine 
that this is a special type of revenge game for him because he legitimately could have and should have been the starter for the New York Jets. And when we're looking at this revenge game, can we trust Joe Flacco? Yes, I think we can. I get it. I know that quarterbacks just don't perform overall at a high level against them. But I do think that the volume will continue here. Now, they could run. The best way to attack the Jets is on the ground. But they just haven't been a run-heavy team since they've gotten Flacco. They've been very aggressive in letting Flacco push volume. And it's worked. And they have no reason to stop it. And again, as we reference, they let him do it against Chicago. A incredibly stout pass, stout pass defense. And they saw that. They knew that. But they still chose to attack through the air. I think that they're going to still push volume against the Jets. They're going to keep going with what's working. They're not going to reverse course. And we're going to see him put up numbers. We could also see him put up a pick six. That's very possible. Then more, yeah, I would possibly make a bet on it. Because the interceptions, they have been flowing with him. Don't get me wrong on that. I'm not saying he's going to be a superhero and the interceptions are not going to come. But I do think we'll have volume and from a fantasy perspective, enough to negate that issue. Before we move on to the next one, we do have a mailbag question here. Flacco or Kyler Murray? While I do love and I'm not afraid to start Joe Flacco this week, and I do recommend leaning into it if you have to, not over Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has been wildly disappointing. The team as a whole is disappointing. He has, and this is tough for me to say he has no weapons, um, because Trey McBride is obviously a fantastic weapon. But he is getting all the targets. And when outside of that, you're sitting there throwing to, not last week, but prior to injury, um, throwing to an underperforming Marquise Brown, who just is hobbled and not connecting this season, unfortunately. Rondell Moore, who I like, but unfortunately, he's just not you know a wide receiver one quality. And Greg Dorch, who I like stepping up. Michael Wilson, who we cross our fingers, but it's just not working out to the extent that we would like. But, but the Philadelphia pass defense is terrible. And their run defense is excellent. They have zero reason to try to push aggressively on the ground. This is a situation where the correct course of action is to let Kyler Murray air it out. And I think we're finally going to see that. And at the very least, at the very least, we will get into a situation where they will be playing aggressively from behind. That I do not see a scenario as much as the Eagles have struggled where they're not able to demolish this Arizona defense. It's bad. It's bad. When Chicago running backs who have struggled all season long are running up and down on the field, uh, running up and down the field on you. Yeah, the writing is on the wall there. Um, DeAndre Swift going to go off. Kenneth Gainwell, legitimately a streaming option. (laughs) Kyler Murray is probably going to have to push volume. We will start Kyler Murray in aggressive volume and a good matchup over Joe Flacco. Before we move on to... Our next matchup. We are going to hear a word from our sponsors. 
It has been two years since Josh Larkey paved the way for fantasy gamers to start expecting positive returns from Pick'em games, specifically underdog Pick'ems. And how do you do it? Well, you look at the slate and you find a great shootout or a sneaky shootout. You also look for a shit show game. Three, four, five, six guys in one game. That's right. You can do it. You can do it. And you can 100x your payout on underdog. Think about week one. Jets-Bills was a shit show. Did we see the Aaron Rodgers injury coming? No, but we knew the Jets have a good defense. We knew the Bills have a good defense. Why not expect the worst? And the worst is what we got. So if you had gone Dalvin Cook less than, Garrett Wilson less than, Aaron Rodgers less than, Josh Allen less than, Gabriel Davis less than, boom, 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 you can go six for six. Same thing in week two. Oh, week two. Well, sneaky shootout there in Philadelphia. Minnesota's going to be in comeback mode, so we'll go Cousins, Jefferson, Hawkinson, more than, Madison, less than, but also Swift, more than. Boom, 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 boom. That's how you do it with the underdog pickums, and you use promo code UNDERWORLD to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You put in 100 underdog matches that deposit up to 100 bucks with promo code UNDERWORLD. Go start picking. All right, let's dive into this next matchup. Um, I feel like the ja- the Flacco one was mildly entertaining. This one is not so much. Uh, the Jags as a whole versus Carolina. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, <sighs> the Jags are in a disarray. We've got Trevor Lawrence dealing with an injury. And... They draw again. We talked about that Jets pass defense. The Jags draw one of the worst matchups that you can have for an opposing quarterback. The Carolina pass defense has been a menace all season long to opposing quarterbacks. What Jordan Love did last week was an anomaly. That was a strong game. He was excellent in that game, and it was so far outside of the realm of what other players have done this season. He had 219 passing yards and you're like, man, that's not a lot. And you're right. It's not. Um, uh, Did I just, Oh, ironically, we did this. We did the underdog promo. Ironically, I did not have this plan. This is literally off the top of my head, the Jordan love. I I do underdog picks um, weekly underdog picks. I do an individual video um, with another organization and (laughs) Jordan Love, I had the under on his passing yards in underdog and those 219 passing yards was in fact under his prop line. So we were um, correct. We hit on that. I don't, this randomly just popped up into my head on that one. Um, Ironic because we just did the underdog line. Um, so yeah, those 219 passing yards, those were below expectations. I took the under on that. That was correct. But I just want to emphasize that those 219 yards, those were impressive just because it was at the under does not mean that those were not an incredibly professive or professive amount of yards. The last quarterback to surpass that against Carolina was Tua in week six. 
It has been since week six that we saw somebody get at least 219 passing yards on Carolina. That's insane. And their run defense is bad. Don't get me wrong, but it is not the case of a team being so bad on the ground that teams just opt to pass on them or just um, opt not to pass and just abandon the pass and just say, we're just going to run the ball. No, they are legitimately good. You cannot thrive as a quarterback quarterbacks. And these are talented quarterbacks, not scrubs that are struggling against them. Dak Prescott, CJ Stroud, all struggling against this Carolina pass defense. It is severe. And again, just as a reminder, most of the season they did without that without uh, several key members of their secondary. If the Carolina defense can do one thing, if Carolina can do anything, it's stop the pass. Nothing else. Nothing else. But they can stop the pass. I do not trust any starting quarterback against the Jags. I was not in on starting Jordan Love last week. His performance was an anomaly. So if Doug Peterson is smart, and I believe he is, he will lean aggressively into Travis Etienne in this matchup. No question. He will lean into the run. You cannot start any quarterback. and don't care who is starting for the Jags. You cannot start a quarterback for the Jags against Carolina. And when we're talking about the wide receivers, wide receivers is a little less drastic because strong wide receiver ones, we're talking elite level wide receiver ones, have had great performances against the Panthers. They they have broken through. While the quarterbacks struggle, the top end wide receivers break through. Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson. But even players like Chris Olave and Michael Pittman had just average games, nothing special. I don't put Calvin Ridley on that level with Mike Evans and Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson. I don't even know if I can put him on the level of Chris Olave and Michael Pittman. I can't trust Ridley. He could have a good game. He could pop up and beat Calvin Ridley, but I can't trust it. I would pivot in this situation. Moving on to another matchup here, we've got Tony Pollard versus Detroit. And this one is very simple for me. It's a no, 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 absolutely not. I do a matchups video every single week. Um, Best place to find it is on my Twitter where I hopefully retweet it or in my link tree. Um, but I do a matchups video every single week um, for fantasy pros. And obviously it's not a 100% hit rate. Nobody has a 100% hit rate, but I will tell you what has hit every single week in that video for the past three weeks. Avoid Tony Pollard, bad matchup, avoid, avoid, avoid. And it keeps hitting, hitting, hitting as correct. His midseason bounce back was wonderful. Um, but there's no coincidence that that was against Carolina and Washington and Seattle. Bad run defenses. For the past three weeks, he has drawn a terrible schedule. Philly, Buffalo, Miami. And he has failed against every single one of them. You cannot start him against a top-tier run defense. He does not have the capability. Like, we can say... We've seen Kenneth Walker do well against a really good run defense where we would have said, oh, a bad start. Don't start him. And I've said that. And he came through. Um, Saquon. Saquon. We, there are certain, there are certain guys that we just, you know, bad matchup comes and we're just like, eh, 
is what it is. A bad matchup would never make me pivot away from CMC. A bad matchup needed to pivot away from Tony Pollard. He does not have the capabilities to overcome that, unfortunately. I am in a championship game this week with Tony Pollard, and I am struggling. I'm doing mental leaps and bounds trying to figure out a way how I can replace Tony Pollard because I got by with it last week and it almost bit me terribly. I will not lose because of Tony Pollard. You got to find a way around it. You got to find a way around it. Um, Mailbag question. Pollard, Zamir White, or Zach Charbonnet? If Jacobs is out, one 100% start Zamir White over Tony Pollard. It's not even close. Not even close. If he is out, I will 100%, I would 100% recommend starting Zamir White over Tony Pollard. Zach Charbonnet, no. Unfortunately, he's just not reliable in terms of workload. Um, It's Kenneth Walker. But yeah, if it was just Charbonnet, you would have to start Pollard. But a guy like White, yeah, I will absolutely throw him out there and trust him over Tony Pollard. Moving on to another bad matchup here, our panic matchups. We have Tua Tagovailoa versus Baltimore. You guys already know what I'm going to say. You know you know what I'm going to say because if you have watched this show, and I cross your fingers, you keep coming back for more. Um, if you've watched the show or any of my other content, Jesus Christ, anywhere, you know that I have been no Tua, no Tua, no Tua in the fantasy playoffs. You can't do it. I advised while you could long, long time ago to sell him high and trade out while you could because bad things were coming and the bad things came. And if you're stuck with him right now, I'm sorry. You can't risk it. You can't. Last week, you were only mildly able. I had him as a low-end QB1 just because streaming options were so shaky. And you might have to be able to do it. You need to avoid it here. We We just watched Baltimore turn Brock Purdy against the system. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brock Purdy. I'm sorry to imply you're a system quarterback. I'm not just, it's, it's a funny joke. Come on now. Four interceptions. The system failed. Oh, he looked terrible. He looked like he was seeing ghosts out there. Yes, that was a Sam Donald joke. I can't, you guys get to make dad jokes. I get to make mom jokes. It's the same thing. It's a parent joke. Okay. Uh, these are non, non-gendered jokes. Um, yes. He looked like he was seeing ghosts out there. I felt bad. Baltimore's defense is insane. Absolutely insane. They single-handedly took Brock Purdy's MVP campaign and said, eh, no, sorry. And when we're looking at Tua and saying Tua versus Brock Purdy, I would probably trust Brock Purdy over Tua versus Baltimore any day of the week. So if we're looking at Tua, I can't do it. The last time Tua exceeded 20 fantasy points was week eight. We're in week 17. Week eight was the last time he exceeded 20 fantasy points. Since then, let's just rattle off a whole bunch of numbers. Since then, I'm reading these. 12.42. Eight. 
19.2. That was against Washington. 9.1. 12 12.96. 15.52. We cannot trust Tua. It's a no-go. It's a no-go for me. Especially when you have multiple streaming options and good situations this week. We can't. We cannot do it. And one final bad matchup here for us to talk about. Washington versus San Francisco. This is a hard pivot. We are hard pivoting away from Washington versus San Francisco. I talked a little bit, um, not too much earlier. I think when we were talking about the Jets, um, Sam Howell, that situation in Washington. And it's not even just about Sam Howell. We're on, we have come to Ron Rivera's final stand. This is, <laughs> this is the end, um, unfortunately for him in Washington. The team as a whole just can't pull it together. Even when Sam Howell was doing Sam Howell things and giving us all the fantasy points in the world that we wanted and being a top 10 quarterback, a top eight quarterback at times um, for stretches, he was fantastic from a fantasy perspective. Real life football was a, it was a complete mess. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. And even the possibility of a turnaround with Jacoby Brissett, who has, to his credit, come in two games in a row and immediately scored touchdowns, immediately appeared to have breathed life back into this offense. It's still just a bad team. It's still a terrible defense. It's one of the best defensive matchups that you can draw if you need if you need fixing from an automatic or from a you know football perspective, an offensive pr- perspective, if you need fixing, go see Arizona or Washington. They will fix you. And the team that is facing them this week, they need a little fixing. San Francisco, we just talked about it with Baltimore. They are coming off of the struggle bus, unfortunately, against Baltimore. Brock Purdy with the four interception game. Just really really squashing so many things for them because a lot of people and kind of myself included, if I'm being honest, view that as um, the Super Bowl matchup. This was the Super Bowl preview. Every now and then you get it. You're like, you're like, this is the Super Bowl preview right here. And we thought that we were getting it right there. And I still think that we technically could get it right there with San Francisco in Baltimore. Now, granted, Baltimore's path to the Super Bowl is obviously just a lot more difficult than San Francisco. San Francisco right now, we talked earlier about Green Bay, um, and we know the season that Green Bay has had struggling, their defense being a hot, complete hot mess. Um, and they're still they're still in the hunt. Minnesota is still in the hunt. Green Bay um, could realistically make the playoffs. Minnesota rotating through I don't know, a basketball team of starting quarterbacks could still make the playoffs. San Francisco's path, even after that poor performance, San Francisco is still the favorite. They're still the favorite to be the one seed. Their path is just very strong to the Super Bowl. More difficult for Baltimore. 
Um, and you know, as we continue these, obviously as we continue, um, and we'll talk about this in a second too, let, let me, let me stop before I kind of tip our hat a little bit in terms of off season stuff, but cause fantasy season is coming oh, to a close, but as we're sitting here and we're looking at this San Francisco team, this is a team that has every incentive to come back and put on their best performance. They need to showcase that they are indeed still a Super Bowl favorite. They need to showcase well for Brock Purdy and his MVP run. Um, as as cold as Shanahan can seem sometimes, he does care about it. So they will come out on a force. And even if it's not Brock Purdy, I mean, quite frankly, it would probably end up being Christian McCaffrey. So Good Lord. Um, They have every incentive to come out there and thrive. This is a hard pivot from this matchup. Obviously, we're not starting any quarterback in this situation, unfortunately. And when we're looking at the wide receivers, to me, nothing changes. Even the pass catchers, including Logan Thomas catching that touchdown, nothing changes for these guys, in my opinion. We're struggling to get there with them. We cannot trust them. And then mailbag question here, Ridley or Terry McLaurin? I got to tell you, we talked about Terry McLaurin earlier and the terrible matchup that the Jags have and not trusting Calvin Ridley. I trust Calvin Ridley this week over Terry McLaurin. I hate to say that. I truly do. But at the very least, we're looking at volume here and volume does favor Calvin Ridley volume does not favor Terry McLaurin, unfortunately. So that's a very key one to note as well. We're struggling to get there with Washington as a whole. Looking at some more start sit questions before we close this out, we're going to go into um, exclusively mailbag questions here. Um, and I've got one from Jeffro underscore 75. Um, and the whole thing is just a, that's why I love it when you drop me all kinds of details in your mailbag questions. Um, so I'm going to read it like word for word here from Jeffro. Good. I made it to my championship round. Bad. My QBs are Tua and Flacco and they both have terrible matchups. Ugly. It appears I have lost both Hawkinson and Waddle. If they both miss the only player I will have starting this week that I drafted is Brandon Aubrey. Good draft though. Crazy season. Guess only questions I have is Flacco versus the Jets or Dolphins at the Ravens. And who do I replace Waddle with? Demarcus Robinson at the Giants. KJ Osborne versus Green Bay or Josh Palmer at Denver. Thank you for all your help this year. You don't happen to do baseball, do you? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately, I don't do baseball. I admire people that can do very well and accurately do fantasy analysis for multiple sports. That is impressive. I know quite a few people that do it. Um, I would love to. It would have to be. I don't think I could. Let's see. Like, just, you know, personal note. Um I'm a huge, I was a huge baseball fan. At some point, I consolidated to exclusively a close following football fan. And I think a lot of that had to do with fantasy football and 
just really realizing that my capacity was only for one sport if I wanted to be good at something. Um, but I was a huge, huge baseball. But the first fantasy sport that I actually played was fantasy baseball. It was back in college and I had a computer, but I was not technical. So I was sitting there like tracking stats on, I would have note cards and I'd be sitting there like tracking player stats and pitcher stats and stuff. And like, thought I was so smart. I was playing in like Yahoo public leagues and winning, thinking I was so good. It's like, you're winning in Yahoo public league. What are you really doing? But <laughs> I don't do fantasy baseball. If I ever did um, a secondary fantasy sport, honestly, I think it would be golf for DFS. I know that's weird and random, but I enjoy playing. I enjoy playing um, golf DFS. Play basketball DFS. I don't enjoy it. It's too many, too many variables, too many players out, too many. It's like, I don't have, I don't, like, I, I don't know. I need time to prep, right? That's why football is perfect for me. The injuries, they're not, no one is coming, <laughs> unless we're talking about, um, nothing's hidden unless we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but for the most part, for the most part, um, everything is more straightforward and you don't have to make those last minute switches. And I just can't do that with the NBA. And that's what I also like about golf too. Like you can sit there and like, I have a whole, what, like, um, Monday through Wednesday. So I have a whole three days to sit here and mull over players and make lines and get my, you know, oh, and this is my contrarian pick and this, this and that. Like you have just all your research and I get to listen to all these podcasts and stuff. I like that. I So if I ever did a secondary sport, it would definitely be golf. That is more, that is my speed. <laughs> that is more my speed. I like the slower sports. I like <laughs> quantity. <laughs> Let's dwindle it down. I like, it just makes sense. That's like an easier transition in terms of pure logic for me. Golf, just so, so much more comprehensible so much more comparable to football. <sighs> but uh, to the mailbag questions from Jeff Rowe. The first one was Flacco or Dolphins at the Ravens. So Tua. So Flacco or Tua, right? So when we're looking at Flacco or Tua, I'm sticking to my guns on the, this one in terms of what we talked about before. I do think that we can trust Tua in this bat or oh erase that I do think that we can trust Flacco in this matchup against the Jets I do not trust Tua in this matchup against Baltimore we're going with Flacco over Tua and then the secondary part of it um which I love this question because I, I love all these players um Demarcus Robinson KJ Osborne and Josh Palmer um me heavy if you hit over like i Hard advocate for Josh Palmer over the past several years. Um, heavy advocate for KJ Osborne as well. And then Demarcus Robinson is someone who I'm more willing to stream. And then general consensus, um, just because once he, when he pops up, you ride that hot wave and he is definitely on a hot wave right now. So it comes down between, in my opinion, I'm pivoting away from Palmer in the bad matchup against Denver getting sauce. They have been a little bit more vulnerable against the pass, but I just, I can't, I can't get there this week. Um, but Demarcus Robinson and KJ Osborne is what it comes down to. And I like both of these guys. I love them this week. Um, Robinson like the matchup, love the volume that he's getting, but KJ Osborne, KJ Osborne is the one I 
feel extremely comfortable with extremely comfortable with I don't bat an eye at the thought of I'm gonna say KJ Osborne's name so many times in start sit questions this week I already know it I already know it because looking here we've got TJ Hawkinson obviously that's gone down with the injury Jordan Addison day-to-day things could change as we obviously go through the week but when I look at KJ Osborne I genuinely like him as a player, because I like those third receiving options that can immediately just step in. And that's why I always like about Josh Palmer and have advocated for him because I like those third receiving options that can step in and be a high volume or high productive player when injuries happen. And KJ Os- people typically think of, you know, Tyler Boyd as one of those players. KJ Osborne is a favorite of mine. I think he's right up there with a Tyler Boyd in terms of players that you can step in, that step in and you can rely on. When we look at 2022, closing out the season, um, the Vikings called upon more from KJ Osborne at the end of the season. Over a five-game span, he had three touchdowns and he had four games with a minimum of 14 fantasy points. The level to which... um, because I do content, you know, prior to the NFL draft. And so prior to the NFL draft and prior to the Vikings taking um, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne was one of my favorite potential sleepers. If he was truly able, if they didn't go out and draft a first round wide receiver, KJ Osborne could have easily been the wide receiver too in that offense and been highly productive. We've seen him legitimately, like we had, A 10 reception, 157-yard performance from him. You don't just do that and you're trash. He's a talented guy. He's a very fine wide receiver three option who can step in. In this week, we are combining that with the holy grail of matchups, the Green Bay Packers. I'm a Packers fan, and it pains me. I hate to admit it. I mean, mean, it doesn't – I don't hate to admit it because reality is reality, and – the more that we can admit it, the, the closer we can push towards Joe Barry getting fired. So we just need to shout it from the rooftops. This defense is horrific, terrible. The only saving grace they ever had was that the secondary was strong enough to bend but not break. And that was a whole philosophy, right? Um and you can shut down top receivers, but it's just not happening. It's not happening anymore. So they're getting lit up on the ground. They're getting lit up through the air and it is dreadful. The Packers are coming off of allowing Bryce Young to have his first 300 passing yard game of the season. And we all know how dreadful Bryce Young has been, but I think we're underselling just how drastic it was to give up that level of volume to Bryce Young. He has not had over 200 passing yards. Since week five, week five was the last time Bryce Young threw for over 200 passing yards. That's that's terrible. It's shocking. And Green Bay allowed him to throw over 300 and Jair Alexander was back. Unreal. Unreal. They are getting lit up and I expect it to continue again this week. And KJ Osborne is a fine flex option. Excellent. Excellent flex option. Oh, man. Being a Packers fan is so frustrating sometimes. Although I'm not going to complain. It's, a, it's it's also a luxury at times. <laughs> Let's not hear it. Let me not sit here and complain as a Packers fan. Oh, no, we have too many good quarterbacks. Let me, like, 
slow my roll. And we have a bad defense. It is what it is. Hopefully he gets fired. Joe Barry. Um, moving on to the next question here from Mr. G Money. Since my season has ended in week 16, what can we expect or when can we expect forecast for 2024? Let's go. I love off-season content. Honestly, I I love off-season content maybe more than in-season content, which is weird because I do a lot of waiver wire content and I enjoy that a lot. Um, and start sits are a bit, well, you know what? I love off-season and in-season equally. I'm not someone that gets sad when off-season hits. Let me put it that way. I love off-season content. I'm never sad when the season ends because this is also like, it's just a different kind of passion. So for me, what I'll be doing and bringing to you guys is I will be in, this will start like mid early to mid January. Um, we'll start focusing on free agency incoming rookies. We're not, we're not taking a break here. We're going to dive right into it because one of my favorite things to do is to start identifying positional needs for every team, matching free agents, trade candidates, and then rookies as well. I'm not a scout, but I focus on identifying players with certain skill sets that make them day one fantasy impact players. So it's all from a fantasy perspective um, and landing spots that they'll be best suited for. Um, some of my favorite prospects from last year pre-draft uh, were Tank Dell, um, Devon Achan, Zay Flowers, and Chase Brown, um, who thank God popped. Because uh, good Lord, I tell you, when I tell you, I drafted on literally every dynasty team. <laughs> and I was like, and as he was getting no play throughout the season, I was like, oh dear God, was I this off? But thank thank goodness he started to pull. I say thank goodness. I mean, what was it like? a What's, what's a fourth round pick? Anyway. Um, and I'll start updating my rankings too. So we can start looking ahead to 2022. So this will all start in January. So it's right around the corner. Um, we'll start looking at rankings and, um, full disclosure. I do not do in season dynasty rankings. Um, I do fantasy pros rankings. Um, I do the draft rankings and I do the in season rankings. I do not do dynasty rankings because I just don't have the time. And so I have to pick and choose what I do. And rest of season rankings and dynasty rankings are just something that I just physically don't have the time to keep up in season, but off season, we will dive into it and those will be updated and good to go. So we'll start working on that. So it'll be, it'll be fun. We will have a good off season together. Um, let's do some more questions here from Robert R. Hines. Several questions here. Jake Browning, Derek Carr, or Nick Mullins? Um, a lot of the times approaches that I take with start sits, um, is I give you one answer for if you're the underdog and another answer, if you're the favorite, uh, just because I think, you know, blanket start sits when, when you do rankings, just because I have Derek Carr ranked over Nick Mullins doesn't necessarily mean that in every situation I will recommend to you that you start Derek Carr over Nick Mullins because everyone's team situation is different. Everyone's goals are different. Everyone's setup is different. So if you're the favorite in a matchup, start Derek Carr. He has had solid fantasy production. He's been very reliable, very dependable. He will not absolutely destroy your week. But if you need the high upside swing and you're the underdog, you are the underdog, you're projected to lose by um, some ridiculous amount of points and, you know, you're like trying to figure out how can I, 
how can I overcome this? That's where you start plugging in players with higher upside. You abandon the floor, not abandon the floor. You still need some floor plays, but you lean away, veer away from the floor and you go towards those risky, those high upside plays. If you're the underdog, I would start Nick Mullins. Um, Obviously this is provided he's the quarterback, you know, things could, things could change um, in terms of the Vikings maybe making different decisions, but uh, Nick Mullins in that matchup that we just talked about with green Bay, huge upside, huge upside here. So if you're an underdog and you want to make that potential 25 to 30 fantasy point range, I don't think Derek Carr can get you there, but in this matchup, Nick Mullins can get you there. Potentially it's risky though. Um, Second question here, Deontay Johnson or Garrett Wilson. We're staying on par here, um, kind of in line with the things we talked about earlier in bad matchups. Um, We're trusting Garrett Wilson because we are trusting Joe Flacco. I do not trust. um, I, I do not trust Trevor Simeon. I do not trust Trevor Simeon. Sorry, I said Joe Flacco. Um, I do not trust Trevor Simeon. But Wilson's stat line, it was interesting. It was underwhelming for nine catches in the level of targets that he had. I think maybe like 15 targets. And to have like a 15 fantasy point performance based off of that was underwhelming. But we love the volume. We love the volume. And it was a bad matchup. Um, and we've got a bad matchup here, but I love the volume here. Again, what we saw last week, add Trevor, Trevor, I mean, don't trust it. It should have been better. Washington's defense, obviously an issue, but this week, this week here, we have to prioritize volume. And when it comes to two players in shaky situations, we go with the volume guy. So we're going Garrett Wilson over Deontay Johnson, because Wilson has the volume. Next question, Flacco. Had Flacco on the mind. Good Lord, I've just... (laughs) Flacco on the mind. Even in talking with Garrett Wilson, I sat there and said Flacco. Just Flacco, Flacco, Flacco. Um, Flacco or Carr or Jordan Love or Baker Mayfield. This one here is, um, oddly enough, easier for me than I would think. Um, It's Jordan Love. Jordan Love, I was 100% okay with starting throughout the fantasy playoffs because, again, touchdowns go through him in the entire offense. He has the rushing upside as well with touchdowns. And Carolina was the only matchup where I just hated it and did not want to start him. And he overcame that. So we're absolutely rolling him out against Minnesota. Tough defense, but not not as drastic as a Carolina or a New York Jets. Or even a Denver. Another question here. Defensive question. Are we starting the Bears, Ravens, Bucks defense this week? We're going with the Bears defense versus Atlanta. Then one more starts a question here. Patrick Mahomes or Derek Carr. We spoke positively about Derek Carr. So Derek Carr is on the radar as one of the higher priority streaming options, very safe option to get you there in that nice little 18 to 22 fantasy point range. But while it's been a while since we've seen Patrick Mahomes thrive, it's been a while, but 
we still are leaning into him given this matchup. And full disclosure, I have moved Mahomes back in my rankings every single week. I have been generally lower than consensus, not aggressively, but just a little bit further back. And this week he'll be a little bit further up because of this matchup with Cincinnati. I'll lean into it. I'll lean into it because Cincinnati's defense has been a problem. And we expect a nice bounce back from Mahomes here. So we are trusting Mahomes. Even though he has given us absolutely nothing, we are trusting it here in this instance. And that wraps things up. That is it. Again, if you have any questions, always hit me up on Twitter. Tag me. Or am I supposed to say X? Sorry. Always hit me up on X. Um, Tag me. I do my best to respond. Um, you can tag me again if I miss it. If you're watching on YouTube, um, be sure to like the video, drop me a comment. Um, I can respond after as well. Um, and make sure that you're subscribed to Player Profiler. And if you're listening on the podcast version, please subscribe. We're greatly appreciated. Thank you. Download, statistics, all that good stuff. Um, and leave a comment, leave a review. That would be amazing. Outside of that, good luck with your fantasy lineups. I want to hear every single person. If you don't, even if you don't have any questions, please tag me and let me know how you did this week. I love hearing that, you know, I've got people commenting on videos and whatnot and tagging, telling me, you know, made championship and this many teams and X amount. And like, I just, I like hearing that stuff. So share that stuff with me. Screenshot your teams. If you win your championship, screenshot. If you got a trophy, absolutely send a picture of that. Other than that, good luck with your lineups. I hope to hear you from you again very positively next week. And I know that I'll keep hearing from you because, again, we're sticking around with off-season content. It is going to be fantastic. I've got to get you set nice and early. We're going to be digging into stuff all off-season long that will have you primed for 2024. You will head into your fantasy draft with top-tier information. Let's go. All right. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in.